0: You remember that line in the Shrek movie when uh, Donkey says... You're supposed to say I have the right to remain silent. Nobody said I have the right to remain silent. Donkey, you have the right to remain silent. What you lack is the capacity. Mmm, burn. God's riches at Christ's expense. Letters in grace. You have the right to remain silent. What you lack is the capacity. What does that have to do with letters in grace? I'll tell you. People say all the time, but don't I have free will? Donkey, you have free will. What you lack is the capacity to choose. Jesus said in John 6, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Did you hear that? What he said is you lack the capacity. As Alistair Begg would say, listen, you lack the capacity. No one can come to me. You lack the capacity. Unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day, as R.C. Sproul would explain it. And what Jesus is saying here is that no human being has the power or the ability to do something. These are strong words coming from the lips of our Lord. Saying something about man's ability. No man has the power to do what? To come to me. Yeah, what you lack is the capacity, is what he's saying. Another way, he's saying there are two and only two ways of life. I don't know how much time you've been spending in the Psalms lately, but with it being the very first of the year, there's just a possibility that you might have been in Psalm 1. By now, that contrasts the two ways of life. The first three verses, the way of the righteous, the next couple verses, the way of the wicked. It says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Now, the contrast, the wicked, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's it. You have the way of the righteous and you have the way of the wicked. In Psalm 7, verse 12 says that God is ready to deal with the wicked. I mean, he he is prepared to execute his justice. says, if a man does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. His justice, his perfect justice for the violation of his perfect holiness, he is ready to quickly execute that judgment so the righteous stand the unrighteous are under the wrath of God and he is ready and willing and will deal uh, will justly with the unrighteous so what do we do well first Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 and 10. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous, a.k.a. the wicked, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. So, you're sitting here and you're thinking, okay, um... What I got to figure out is where am I? Am I the righteous or am I the wicked? Because the wicked, God will deal severely with and the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom, right? Uh, 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 What is it? Psalm 69. Go to Psalm 69, verse 28 says that if you are not righteous, if you're counted among the wicked, your name will be blotted out of the book of life and you will not be recorded with the righteous so it's it's getting to be a pretty serious separation right way of the righteous way of the wicked now flip all the way to the very back of your bible when the end times comes the judgment takes place revelation 20:15 says if anyone's name was not found Written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I can tell you so far from this uh, uplifting study is that we don't want to be counted among the wicked, among the unrighteous, right? So where do you stand? Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, There is none righteous. There is none righteous. No, not one. That means we are all counted among the wicked. We are all under the wrath of God, blotted from the Lamb's book of life, who will be cast into the lake of fire. That is a huge deal. And we think that we can be accepted by God because you did what? showed up a few Sundays in a row, threw a $20 bill on a plate, fed a hungry person, donated. You're hoping that your good is going to outweigh your bad. You're hoping that on the scales of justice, God will weigh your good against your bad and hope that your good outweighs your bad. But as James tells us, if you have stumbled in one point of the law, you have become guilty of them all. And why is that? Because God's standard is perfection. You are to be perfect as he is perfect. That is the standard is perfection. And so we can't be good enough. So see, it's, it's not that you don't have the right to choose. What you lack is the capacity. You can choose. You can make choices but you will choose wrong. That is the heart of man. Desperately sick, as, as we've said in the past. But the good news is God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There is a legal transaction that takes place. How? How? By believing in him. Go through the gospel of John and underline or highlight everywhere it says believe. And if you believe, you will have eternal life. Believe what? That that first of all, that you are counted among the wicked and that you are not righteous and You are not acceptable and you can't be because the standard is perfection and you and I, we sin and we fall not just short. We fall way, way short. We fall so far short. There is no way that we can ever be viewed as righteous in the eyes of God. We can't make it through a day and be righteous. How many times did you sin today? How many times have I sinned today? Whether it is in word or thought, sins of omission things that I should have done that I didn't do. Sins of commission, things that I shouldn't have done that I did do. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, I I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like somebody said, it's like a bucket of white paint. At what point, how many drops of pigment does it take to drop into that gallon of white paint and it's no longer white paint, right? Any pigment at all, it has tainted the purity of the white paint. And, it's, and that's the way God is. God is pure. He is perfectly holy. And so any sin, no matter how great or small the sin, cannot stand before God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. By, by grace, God's grace, a free gift. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Titus 3:5. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing as we kind of go marching into a brand new year is to just remember those two ways of life. And I think if you'll understand that you are wicked and unrighteous and unworthy, and then you sit and you understand what God did to send his son to be our righteousness. And that all he asks of us is to believe in his son and trust in his righteousness and his death on the cross in our place So that we could be legally set free from the penalty of sin. What gratitude. I mean, that the Christian life then at that point just it all stems from a love for God, that just overwhelming gratitude. And I think that's what drives us to live the Christian life. So That would be the encouragement. Get in God's word. Just read it, study it, and get to know what it is that he wants from you. Like, it's not all doom and gloom. The beginning is doom and gloom because the two ways of life, we uh, fall onto the wrong side of that. But by God's great grace, we get God's riches, all of his spiritual blessings at Christ's expense. Why did God do that? Because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This has been a quick edition of Letters and Grace.